welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Amen. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8, Hebrews 12, are key scriptures here. And uh, tonight I'm going to try to put a bow on this particular lesson. I'm going to attempt, so I'm going to move kind of quickly. So uh, I apologize if I'm not giving you time to turn to scriptures as I'm going to read on. And highways shall be there and away, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but that it shall be for those the wayfaring man, though fools, shall not err therein. Paul says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. The prophet Isaiah said, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the, eat from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Amen. And uh, we're going to continue on in our Way of Holiness series, talking tonight um, and trying to conclude on the setting of a standard. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your great presence that we feel in this place. And I pray that you would, once again, by your grace and mercy and through a revelation that only comes through your Holy Ghost, I pray you would open our eyes spiritually and our perception. Give us a hunger for holiness, Lord. Lord, just set before us once again a table that you prepare the word of life for us that leaves us different than the way that we've come. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Amen. Now, just a, a, a very brief recap as we have talked about uh, standards and how important standards are and that what standards mean. Standards um, in the Bible, it's talking about, it could also be called a, a flag or a banner. It is a standard. That standard represents something. Uh, remember, we talked about each flag and, and how it represents a nation, and oftentimes, um, at least for most flags, the colors represent something, as well as the uh, pictures that are on those flags. Um, you know, years ago, I'm looking for the Mexican flag. Is that it right there? And I remember years ago um, when I was in school, I looked at it because I always thought that was a really cool flag. Isn't that cool? I really like that. And that, that bird, you don't want to mess with that bird, right? Um, it doesn't look like a pushover flag, right? And um, I, I don't know, what, what bird is that exactly? It's, it's, is it a specific, it's a golden eagle? Okay, and he's got a snake. It looks like a rattlesnake in his mouth. And uh, now, I'm not from Mexico, but I'm sure that Sister Angelica could tell us different things about the flag, the eagle, the rattlesnake, the cactus, 
the gold, all the things that it represents, uh, because it is a representation. Um, you, it sets up a standard, amen. It sets up a standard. And so we talked about that. And um, last week, we, we spent a lot of time talking about biblical standards, right? And uh, where standards come from in the Bible. We, we talked about the first standard of Scripture, uh, which was in the Garden of Eden, where God told Adam, don't eat of this fruit, and then Adam tells his wife, what? Don't touch the fruit. Amen. And so Adam was setting uh, the precedent of a standard that is to say, um, God said this, but as God's representative, I'm going to set the standard to be safe, that if God doesn't want you eating it, I think it's safe to say he doesn't want you touching it. Okay, well, why didn't God say don't touch it? When you get to heaven, just ask him. It's just one of those things. I don't, I don't, I don't know everything. But that was the setting of the standard, amen. Uh, and then from there, we talked about Moses and how God said, come on up to the mountain. I'm going to talk with you. Uh, but but I'm, I'm going to communicate you, with you um, face-to-face as a man with his friend. And it's going to be such a profound thing that I'm, I, and this is where we get a lot of the Pentateuch and, and the law and, and the history of, of the Bible. God spoke, the Bible says, showed him his hindward parts, amen. And uh, most scholars believe that that passing part, the high, his hinder parts, was the past of Israel. And so he recorded that there. But before he went up, uh, God said, now draw a line, and you tell them don't cross that line because if they come up across that line, that, that's the mountain. And anybody that touches the mountain, I'm going to kill them. And so um, Moses took his staff and he drew a line and said this. Now, we, we don't know where he drew that line. There's not a landmark to this day. But I'm, I'm, I'm certain Moses didn't draw that line, you know, a quarter mile up the slopes. I'm, I'm sure he went a little ways into the valley before it's, the elevation started changing. And he drew the line and said, okay, that's the line. I'm going to back that up. Then we jump over into the New Testament. And uh, we talked about uh, Simon Peter and his revelation. And because of that revelation, um, Jesus gave him the keys to the kingdom and said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, we know Peter is not the rock upon which the church is built. Um, that's Catholicism. Uh, we don't believe that Peter is the rock that the church is built upon. We believe the revelation that Peter had um, is what the rock is built upon, that there is one God, and he is revealed to us in flesh through Jesus Christ, and that rock is the relationship that God wants to have with mankind. And so then Jesus tells Peter, um, okay, now I'm, gonna, now I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, I will. Whatever you loose on earth, I will. In other words, Peter, draw a line, I'll back it up. Okay, and we see that happening in the New Testament. Now, we, we, we need to know this, that every standard, every standard given um, in the Word of God um, has biblical precedent. And so this is kind of where we're jumping off. We kind of left off at this point. But we're going to press on 
a little deeper in this. Um, Paul was a scholar of the law. He was an incredibly knowledgeable man uh, to the point that, um, uh, matter of fact, one would say that they thought he was so brilliant, he became insane. Um, he was the most um, well-known orator. Um, if you would, he was like a trial lawyer. He knew the word of God inside and out, upside and down. And we've got to understand that when God established his church and the apostles, they had the basics. They knew basically, they knew the basics of what they needed to do. They knew the basics of salvation. Uh, But listen, it was new. Nobody handed them a Bible and said, here you go, read that. Uh, weren't no Bible, just the law. And we talked about that last week, the two factions that they dealt with. So you see the, the apostles coming up with very foundational, elemental things as to what is important to be a Christian. Remember, we talked about they were first called Christians at Antioch. And so to be a part of the church or uh, what is known in, in, in Greek as the ecclesia, the 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 called out ones, um, one rendering of it would be the prophetically called out ones, the people, and called by, by, by just being called out denotes that God called his people out of the world, amen. Just like he called uh, Israel out of Egypt, he calls his people, he called Israel out of physical Egypt, he calls his people out of spiritual Egypt. Egypt was a type of sin. It was a type of the world. God has always called his people to come out. So in the word, church means to come out. God has never left his people to be like, always to come out, to set themselves apart. As a matter of fact, the Bible would say this. The Bible would say, uh, Peter would say, for you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people. You're a holy nation. And, and so the disciples were, the apostles were putting this together upon the standards of God's words that there were things that were going to be universal. There were universal things that they didn't feel they had to reestablish again, right? I talked about last week, um, I believe I mentioned there's no scripture in the Bible that says I can't get in a, my white Dodge Ram pickup and run you over. There's no scripture against that. I want you to hold on to me for a minute. I'm, I'm going somewhere with it. There's nothing in there that says I cannot use my white Dodge Ram pickup and drive you over. But it does say that I can't do violence. It does say I cannot kill. So therefore, we can set a standard that says you ought not be driving people over with your car when you get mad. And that's literally a biblical standard. All right? Um, uh, I, another example I, I think I used last week is, you know, there, there's nothing in the Bible that says you know, thou shalt not view pornography. It's not in there. Is it wrong? Because the spirit of it is there. Don't look after 
as to lust. Right? And so we can stand on that and say, nah, don't be looking at that junk. It's going to mess you up. And it will. And it does. Amen. And, and so we can stand on the word of God and say, that is a truth. Amen. And so those standards are being, and you can see the, the epistles as they're being written. As a matter of fact, in, in Corinthians, and I'll bump this again later tonight and, 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 and in greater detail in the coming months, um, you see Paul writing about the importance of the distinction of the sexes. And then the response of the Corinthian people are, you don't understand our culture. This is who we are. And this might, this may, don't be picking on us in Colossians, in Colossia, because this is how we are. And Paul said, no, 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 no. What I'm teaching here, I'm teaching everywhere. This is important to catch. This is, what I'm saying right now is very important to catch. If you miss this here, you're going to get sideways on everything else throughout this Bible study. Because the disciples, the apostles were not picking on the church at Corinth by saying, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that. He said, we have no other custom than what I'm writing to you about right now. In other words, if you leave Corinthians and you go to Thyatira, the same thing is being taught. And if you go to Ephesus, the same thing is being taught. If you go to Rome, the same thing is being taught. And if it's not being taught, then they are in error of Scripture. Amen. Praise God. So it's, it's very important for us to realize that these standards were being set. Now, where do standards come from? They come from God. We cannot set standards arbitrarily. The word of God sets the standard. Now, based upon what I just said, um, then, then, then one can say, well, where, take me to the Bible where it says letter for letter that standard. Well, you, this, here, here's a shocker. They didn't have the internet. Two thousand years ago, it's, I mean, they didn't. Um, they didn't even have rotary phones. They didn't have newspapers. Okay, uh, so so they were setting. But here's how awesome the Word of God is. The Word of God is so powerful, and God so designed it that it can work in any culture and in any time. It worked, amen, at, listen, this Bible's amazing. It was written on three continents by 36 authors in four different languages over 1,500 years, and it has not a single contradiction. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And, and, it, and it has the same theme, because although it has different writers, it only has one author, and it's God. Only God could keep that continuity of thought. Amen. And so I, 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 I want you to, to keep this in mind because what we have done in the last 40 to 60 years of North American Christendom is we have said, well, the Bible doesn't understand 
where we are in this time. So let me reinterpret it in modern understand. In other words, it's, it, it, the amount of pride and arrogance one has to have to say, well, Jesus didn't understand. Because that's what we really do. I heard somebody preaching one time, and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and I actually read it in the book here recently. It, it fired me up. Um, I was glad I read it on a Thursday because I was ready to preach. said, uh, and, and I can't remember which issue Jesus was dealing with, and there was a miracle. And, it, and, and the writer said, and I've heard a preach, Jesus didn't understand the medical advancement at that time was not so that Jesus could not understand the condition medically would have been this. Well, uh, listen here, Dr. Dingbat. He is the one who created the body. He didn't have to call it scoliosis or endometriosis or ingrown toenail or anything else. He spoke and it happened. Jesus didn't have to speak to rigor mortis in a, in, in a dead body, four days dead in a tomb. He didn't say, rigor mortis, uh, loosen up. Uh. He said, Lazarus, get up, boy, come on out of here. Boom, he comes hopping up out of the grave. Amen? So don't get lost in the, well, they don't understand the modern times we're living in because the Bible was written for all cultures at all times. The church is the most diverse entity in the world. More spoken languages, more cultures, more, you know, diversity is the buzzword, more diversity. Man, matter of fact, the, the apostolic church, the, 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 uh, at the turn of the century in Azusa Street uh, was the first massive push of, of integration in America. Azusa Street was pastored by an African-American blind man. Amen. And he had a large white contingency and Hispanic contingency and Asian contingency and an African-American contingency. Amen. So the church, by nature, was born into diversity. Tongues happens on the day of Pentecost. It was the first revival was a multicultural revival because they're speaking in different languages. 3,000 are baptized and saved that day. Amen. And don't stop there. There's an Ethiopian. Next time people, listen, I've said this, I think I said this last week. I know I said it last night. Next time, you know, people, we send kids to college to be super dumb sometimes. They go there and get brainwashed. You know, used to, it was like, man, they're going there to learn this deal, get a degree, and that's all. But it's like they spend more time trying to brainwash them, and they come out saying, we don't want Christianity. That's a white man's religion. Do you know the level of stupidity in that statement? I mean, it's actually shocking how dumb that is. The, the, the gospel was preserved in Africa longer than anywhere else. We get most of our Bible from Ethiopia. 
Well, don't shout me down when I'm preaching the truth. Someone said, well, it's a white man. You are brainwashed. So put it back in the blood and let Jesus wash it again. Amen. Because it's not about a white religion or a black religion or a brown religion or a yellow. Or, it's, it's his word. Amen. And not one time in the Bible does God ever refer to a person's color. Only their condition. God don't care black, white, red, yellow. He cares saved, unsaved, lost, found, redeemed, unregenerated, heaven, hell, right, wrong. That's all God cares about. Amen. So, okay, what? Y'all quit pushing me down that road. I saw the rabbit, and I, 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 I went like that, and I need to get back on the road, okay? I swerved and tried to hit him, but I'm not going in the ditch, okay? And, 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 and so, so we, we look at it through the prism of, well, God just needs to understand our culture. Um, God understands culture, and, and culture is a beautiful thing. I love the diversities of cultures that we have. Um, I pray to God we have more. I, I can't wait for the day. Of course, we need uh, uh, definitely need a bigger building for it. But I can't wait for the day that we have 10 languages being translated in every service. I can't wait for that. Amen. Uh, matter of fact, I, I miss doing our all-nation stuff. Remember, we'd all come dressed in a different garb and bring the food and, you know, you know, whatever your ethnicity was. And I always appreciate it. I said, come dress whatever the ethnicity is and let's... You know, unless they lived in a jungle naked, don't come dressed like that. Don't, you know, don't come wearing a fig leaf, amen, right? Just, <laughs> hey amen, if your ancestors were cannibal, please don't bring a dish to represent that, amen. So, <laughs> and, and so we, we celebrate that. That, that. That's a wonderful thing. Only the kingdom of God can be set up to preserve a culture and still create a kingdom culture. However, any culture that goes, or any aspect of culture that goes against the word of God has to stop and no longer practice that culture. I talked about some last week. Uh, not, not going to revisit that, but, but uh, you know, some cultures light candles and pray for dead souls. The Bible specifically speaks about we don't pray for the dead. It wouldn't do anything anyway. Hey Amen. We, we don't pray to idols. We, we don't drink the blood of sacrifices. We, we, don't, we, don't, get, we don't get drunk and, and drunken brawls to, to mourn or to grieve. Where the word of God says do not, if our culture says do, we, we do the do not. Right? Because God has drawn a line around his kingdom and said, this is my kingdom. This is my culture. Your culture is welcome up unto the point that it becomes sin. Amen. And, and there are some things that the kingdom culture will take a stand against without us logically understanding why. Uh, many years ago, the... Our movement, uh, in its earliest days, took a stand against the, against tobacco use, and said, 
You know what? I'm, I'm not talking about 30 years ago. I'm talking about over 100 years ago. In our earliest formations, we said, it, we're not going to do it. It's a sin. And people said, where in the Bible say I can't chew tobacco? Where in the Bible is it? I, I remember growing up arguing with people. Where in the Bible does it say I can't smoke my Marlboro Reds? Or filterless camels, if you really thought you were John Wayne. Or my, my Newports, menthol. I had a friend that smoked them. You had to keep them in. You couldn't see. I mean, just eyes water up and things are so strong. I said, man, why do you smoke them? It smells good. To who? Dead people? You smoked it. You don't, so you don't smell the lung cancer as it's coming up, right? Man, that stuff is strong. My, my, my uncle smoked uh, filterless camels until they stopped selling them. And he said, this nation's going to hell in a handbasket, putting filters on cigarettes. And I thought, no, that's probably not the only reason. <laughs> Make sure when you get in the basket, lock the lid. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but, but there was no scripture. Um, Brother Clifton that said, you can't, you can't have a Virginia Slims. Dating myself. Some of y'all remember Virginia Slims. I remember driving around town. I always had that beautiful woman. Do y'all remember them Virginia Slim billboard? They had them in Iowa too. I always had this beautiful woman. I mean, I was a kid going, man, she's gorgeous. Look at, she had that. Remember this, that hell, hell only promotes its rookies. Hell will never promote its veterans. Because they're not going to show you that good-looking woman 30 years later looking like she's 50 years older than she is breathing on an oxygen machine with emphysema. You won't, you won't, you won't see the billboard of that woman hooked up to a machine and hear the gurgling of her lungs as the cancer is eating it away. I mean, the Marlboro man looked tough and, and, and the Budweiser looked awesome and all of that looked great, but the hell shows you the beginning part of the... We'll never show off. They're never going to show that SUV wrapped around a tree from drunk driver. They're not going to show you the parents standing over a grave weeping because their child was killed by a drunk driver. They're never going to show you the man or woman with a liver cancer uh, to which there's no cure for and they're screaming and agonizing. But see, God flips it. God, God loves to show off his veterans. God likes to say, yeah, they've been serving me 40 years. Look at that. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. It gets sweet. I don't know anybody has been serving God a long time ago. Man, this just stinks. I hate this being saved stuff. It's terrible. It's the best life there is. It's the greatest life there is. So we already counted the cost. Yeah, there's some things we're going to give up. Yeah, there's some things we're going to Oh, man. Guess what I get to give up? Lung cancer. Cirrhosis of the liver. Wow. Dodged a bullet on that one. I got to move on quickly. Amen. And, and, and so we took it. Our, our, our movement took a stand against that over 100 years ago. You, you often hear me say 
Finally, the science is catching up with the Bible. And, and it wasn't until I was, I, I can still remember when they started taking down the tobacco ads. I still remember going to restaurants and stuff and they had the cigarette machines. How many remember the cigarette machine? They pull, you just put a dollar in there or whatever it was, 50 cents. You rode the wagon to that store, huh? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you put in your coins and you pull it, pack of cigarettes come out. That's how we, kids got cigarettes back in the day. You wait till they got busy. You go in there and pop in the quarters and pull it in the pack, fall out. You take off running like grease lightning out of there, right? And, and then they took those out and we knew. And finally, science caught up with the stand we took, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. And we ought not do things that we know are going to damage God's temple. This isn't my temple. The, the day I became saved, I gave him this temple. I said, this is your dwelling place. I waived all rights. He didn't sign a lease. He signed ownership. And I didn't say, you know, upstairs is yours, main floor. I get the basement. All of it's yours. All of me. And when I signed it over to him, he said, okay, now if I'm going to live here, I've got some stipulations. There was my uncle, you say, some stipulations. i got some stipulations that you, you got, all right? Uh, I won't dwell in an unclean temple. What makes it unclean? Sin. It means I can never sin again. I willfully you need, to, you need to do your best to avoid that. Amen. And, and just because I may not be able to live from now until I go in the grave without sinning doesn't mean I give up trying. Does this make sense? I'm talking about the way of holiness. And so science has come out and said, that's a cancer stick. Don't do it. And so if it, not only that, it's habit forming. Right? The, the Bible talks about addictions and habits. Right? And I'm, I'm going to just pause right here. We need to be careful what we allow ourselves to crave. Amen. And I, I mean, even innocent. Listen, I crave bacon just like every 45 seconds. Like, I love bacon. If you threw a piece of bacon at me, I'd catch it with my teeth. It wouldn't hit the floor. I would throw my body in front of a bullet for you and for a piece of bacon. I love bacon. I love donuts, amen. <laughs> my wife said, what kind of birthday cake you want? I, said, I don't want no cake. I really, I'm, yeah. And so she went down to Buttercream Bakery in Napa. You felt that, didn't you? And got me a maple bar with bacon on it. Now, typically... Brother Kirk, I would only eat about a quarter or half of it. And I'm serious. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I have learned to control. But it was my birthday. It was my birthday. And, and I said, um, and we had tacos. Praise God. My wife said, you want three or four? I said, two. You're not hungry? Oh, I'm hungry. I'm just waiting on that bacon maple donut. 
Amen. And, and, but, but listen, America's in a crisis right now because we started believing that the men and women wearing white lab coats had our best interest in mind. Biggest drug dealers in America have MD beside their name. And we're not against medicine. I'm not, I'm not against doctors. Matter of fact, I got to see one next week. Just don't worry, everything's fine as far as I know. I'm just trying to see how experimental a total brain replacement is. Amen. I'd like one that's a little smarter. Amen. No, I, I, but, but we, we are a nation addicted to all kinds of medication. Medication in and of itself is not bad. But let me tell you what Christians did. We said, oh, we're not going to get drunk. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. Doctor, I've got this pain in my toe. Oh, really? What's your pain level? Well, man, it, I, you remember when you go, you could walk in and have a good, hey, doc, you could, regular checkup. Yep, regular checkup. What's your pain level? Well, I don't know. Like a three? You sure? Well, come to think about it. You know, my grandma's arthritis is flaring up in my hip. We got a prescription for that. And we got a nation addicted to narcotics right now. We don't even know the long-term effect. Now we're starting to realize Alzheimer's and dementia and all this stuff comes along with us. We're addicted. My God, I'm so far off my notes, and I got to hurry up with this. But we think if a doctor writes a script, it's okay. How many, how many years old were you when you realized oh, they're getting kickbacks? They're only pushing this because they're getting a free vacation to the Bahamas. We're what, what are we, 30, 20-something percent of the world's population and we consume over 80%, huh? We, we, we consume over 80% of the world's pharmaceuticals and we're about 20% of the world's population. And we're the wealthiest country on, on, on planet Earth. They got to keep you miserable and keep throwing pills at you. Take this, it'll help you wake up. Take this, it'll help you go to sleep. I'll never forget, I was, I was uh, watching a college football game, Brother Chase. And all of a sudden, this commercial come on and said, <laughs> it's it. Do your legs ache when you sit down after a long day? Do you feel a throbbing in your calf muscles or your thighs after having been on your feet all day? Uh-huh. Then you have restless leg syndrome. I do. Call your doctor and see about a prescription for hujimaflajimafliji. Side effects may include amputation of both legs. Suicidal tendencies. How come we're still not talking about that every mass shooting in America? They were on multiple antipsychotic medication. Your kid's broke. Give them this. Give, give, your, give your child amphetamines so we can control them. I'm not saying that in some cases this may not be an issue. I, I, I got to get off of this anyway. Because we'll just say, well, if it's from the doctor, everything's okay. Mm, no. 
No, they make money off you being sick. Remember that. Oh, and they're in great partnership with the food industry too. Because they'll feed you junk that'll make you need more of their medicine. I got to move on. Because I'm talking about, but if our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, we ought to take better care. Now, we can't all afford to eat, you know, all organic and all whatever. But, but you know, this is, this is the body of the Holy Ghost, the temple of the Holy Ghost. And, and I would hope that you wouldn't come in here and just sling junk on the walls. So I think we may need to be a little more careful about what we consume. And I, I'm not making too much. I'm, I'm not trying to make an, a doctrine out of this. But Paul said in partaking of the Lord's Supper, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. I'm not making a doctrine that every time you eat, you're partaking of the Lord's Supper. I'm not doing that at all. But in some form, Paul said, you need to give thanks. You need to think about what's going into your body. Okay, praise God. It's not going to make you holy or unholy, okay? Praise God. Bacon made us holy, I'd have wings, all right? <laughs> Amen. So we took a stand against that, even though that, that scripture wasn't there. But we stood upon the spirit of the word of God in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 that says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Amen. And um, I, I got to move through this quickly. I promised you I'd be done by 10, so I've got to hurry. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the, similarly, this, now I'm going to, I, I don't want anyone to be offended on either side of the aisle on what I'm about to say because I'm going to make a conclusive point that I think objectively we can all agree upon. I had many long conversations with Bishop Price about this and many of our elders. Uh, for the longest time, we, we took a stand against television. It's a right stand. Here's where we erred. We preached against the technology. So when it was just, there's nothing wrong with Leave it to Beaver. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, I can find, maybe, maybe God convicts you with it. That's fine. Doesn't convict me. I don't like it anyway. It's pretty cheesy. I like Laurel and Hardy. I happen to think they're hilarious. If you hear me cackling and hee-hawing and laughing, if you ever walk by my house, I'm, it's probably an old Laurel and Hardy. I think they are. I can handle a little bit of Three Stooges. They're exhausting, though. After some point, it's like, ugh. I mean, how many times are you going to slap that poor guy in the head? One of the reasons why I really hate it because my brother did all that stuff to me. So every time Mo smacks Shemp, I get flashbacks. Got PTSD from that. So they took a stand against it then. And it wasn't because the content was evil. They, there was a multi-leveled approach to that. One, you couldn't control what was coming through it. Somebody got up in one of our general conferences and this was back in the 70s and saying, I think we need to update this. You know, take it. I'm telling you, we held this stand for a long time. And, and uh, one of the men was going against it and uh, Bishop Price got up and he said, some of you are saying there's no difference between a TV and a radio. He said, I'm going to tell you right now. There's a difference in hearing a half-naked woman sing and seeing a half-naked woman sing. 
If this mic weren't so expensive, I'd drop it. You get it? All right. So we took that stand. Now, now, now hold. I said, just give me time. Then as television progressed and, and it became more filthy, not all entertainment is bad. But television seemed to be a sewer pipe, just, just funneling that filth in there. The problem was, and in, in talking with Brother Price and different elders, the problem was is they took such strong stands against the technology rather than taking a stronger stand against the content. Now, <clears throat> I'm trying to walk a tightrope here because my intention is never to offend or, or, or any of that. So we had people that would say, you can't watch that movie. Oh, but did you read the book that the movie was based on? And so you can't, well, now I get it, it's, it's, to see it, to put your brain in neutral and let Hollywood determine for you all. It's like somebody said, uh, you got to watch the, 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 the movie Noah. It's, it's a Bible story. It's a Bible story. And then I was like, okay, well, I, you know, I heard some pretty weird stuff about it. And then my brother called me, you know, who's a sinner, and he calls me. He says, man, have you seen Noah? I said, no, I hadn't planned on it. You know, he goes, don't, it's evil. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, man, I went to the theater and I thought, man, a Bible story. I'll go watch this. He said, man, it was witchcraft and sorcery. Rocks were speaking, like rock people, demon aliens were speaking. He said, I stood up. and he was high as a kite. He said, I, st <laughs> he said, I stood up and told him, I said, this ain't in the Bible. <laughs> Let's go smoke a joint. Amen. He did. He did. <laughs> if you know my brother, you know that's him. <laughs> so, so, you've got, to, you've got to, so the issue is content control. And, and someone went to the extremes. They wouldn't even let you uh, have personal home videos of your kids, right? And, hey, you know what? They took that stand. I, I can understand if that's what they want to do, but follow through with it, you know? Follow through with it. If you can't video anything, you're going to take it. Just be consistent with it. Don't change it. Right, for you know, for yeah, I, I got to be careful how I'm saying that, and and so what happens is when you let down the gate, the floodwaters come roaring in, because you have taught against technology so long, you haven't you haven't taught the ability to discern content. Is this okay tonight? We still believe that we need to be holy in our consumption of entertainment, and so now if I were to get up here and just preach against having a television. That would, be, that would be quite foolish. If I get up right now and say, you better not have a television in your home. That television, and I'm up here with a phone and an iPad. How, how, how foolish would that be? Here's what you need to have. You need to have the spirit of Christ in your life. That you can control what entertainment you observe or participate in. Amen. Well, I'm already down this road. I'm going to say it. Holy Ghost-filled child of God shouldn't be watching things with nudity in it. It's no difference than pornography. Amen. I, 
you know, it used to used to be every you know every denomination be going. Yeah, and now churches, pastors are too weak. They're too cowardly to say this. I don't want to say that. It would offend people. I want them to, you know, who am I to judge? Duh. Child of God. It's amazing to me. You know, people will say there's only two scriptures people know. First one is, judge not. You can't judge. Okay, totally out of context. What Jesus was saying was, to, to paraphrase here, not to go into a great dissertation on it, was you don't have the authority to judge someone's soul to hell or to heaven. You don't have that authority. Only God does. However, Jesus was very clear as a believer. It's not only your responsibility, but your duty to judge. I'm going to let that settle in for a moment because some of you just squirmed a little bit like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Jesus said, when you observe a tree, I'm, now I'm just kind of paraphrasing it. When you observe a tree and it's got a lemon on it, please, nobody faint. This is a pretty profound revelation, so take a deep breath. I don't want anybody to collapse when I say this. If it has a lemon on it, it's a lemon tree. If it's got oranges on it, it's a. If it's got figs on it, it's a. If it's got apples on it, it's a. Jesus said, look at the fruit. It will tell you what kind of tree. In other words, judge the tree not by what it says it is, but by what it produces. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And the church world has gotten on a heap a lot of trouble because we like fancy words and slogans and we never looked at the fruit of these twofold children of hell standing behind pulpits telling us things that sound good. We believe doctrines that have no fruit or, or, or godly fruit. And, and let me just say this. Uh, we are not saved by works. This is one of the biggest accusations we get. You believe you're saved by? No. Now, it would be damnable to believe that your works could save you. We are not saved by works, but by grace. Therefore, you say by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. If I could be saved by my works, I would not need Jesus. I would not need Calvary. However, if I am saved at some point, we're going to start producing works. Because the Bible said faith without. Amen. You got to catch this now. So my salvation will produce fruit. And if you live for God long enough, there needs to be some fruit produced. What did Jesus say if a tree doesn't have fruit? He said, well, after a few seasons, if it don't produce. Now, this isn't me. You're not going to find this on TBN or the TikTok theologian. Jesus said, after a while, if that tree don't produce fruit, Cut it down at the roots and throw it in the fire. Now, the analogy is Jesus expects after some time 
for us to produce fruits of holiness toward him. Love, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, self-control, all of these things. Amen? Praise God. Boy, where did the time go? So, we need to let the Holy Spirit guide us even in our entertainment. My wife checks his website. I don't even know what the website is. If anything we watch, she'll go to the website. It's like the Family Research Council thing, whatever. And she'll go through it and say, I mean, we've had people recommend Christian movies, and we look at it and go, oh, eight cuss words. Yeah, no thing. Brief nudity. <laughs> Ever how brief you may think it is, it's still nudity. Amen. Praise God. I, some of y'all like, man, Pastor, you had me till you started messing with my movies now. Let, let me ask you something. If Jesus were to come in the middle of that, that's the way my old pastor you said. Now, if Jesus came back when you was doing that, would you go on a rapture? Would you invite would you invite over people in your church to view it? So these are these are just good basic lines. Amen. And 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 so so we gotta the fourth side of our apostolic fathers were spot on that we need to control. We are in an entertainment-driven world. The line is being blurred and blurred even more. There is an agenda behind all of it. I was, I was uh, proud of my daughter when she, she came to me, and, and it was like June the 2nd. And uh, we have very strict controls on her phone, and there's nothing she doesn't have that we don't know about. And this particular app... Uh, uh, we had set it like a seven-year-old or five-year-old, I think a five or seven-year-old setting on this app. And uh, she's not on it, but only when we allow her to. And for, very, you know, I can't remember what her timeline is, like 30 minutes a day, something like that. And and she came to me and she just said to, to myself and my wife, I, I just want you to know I deleted that app. And I said, really? Why? Okay. She said, well, I got, I got sick of the LGBTQ stuff. I went, what? On that app? It, and I'm so proud because it's June 2nd. She goes, yeah, it's Pride Month. Every, every one or two minutes, there was this flag coming across there and, and then, you know, embrace and, and all this type of stuff. And she said, I deleted it. And I went, I'm doing something right. Now, before you get your, you know, swell up like a bullfrog and I can't believe you're a teacher. I'm not teaching her that. The Bible's teaching her that. And she's got the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost said in her. And at a seven-year-old setting, that ought to tell you how perverted these people are. To try to get to what they thought was a seven-year-old. I ain't going back down from this stuff. I've been, I was saying it before it was cool to say it. They're after the kids. Don't, don't take it from me then. Don't take it from me. Go find it for yourself. Grown men marching naked in front of three-year-olds. Sexually gyrating in front of five and six-year-olds. Simulating sex acts in front of minors while chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. I think I'll take their word for it, not the polished up version that they're promoting. Not my children. And I thank God that at 11 years old, she took that stand. 
So you got you to safeguard everything, which leads me to the next point. Amen. You need to have safety guards with your internet. Your spouse needs your passwords. And don't get offended when they say, let me look through your phone. Say, thank you. Amen. Praise God. That's none of their business, right? Those start raising red flags. It, it is her business. Parents, you, you need to go through, you need to be able to go. And if you see they've deleted search history, you ought to take that phone for a long time. Amen. Well, I'm going to keep moving on. Sin lurks in ambiguity and darkness. They have all kinds of things out there you can do to, to safeguard you. Well, I put those filters on and it blocks away, you know, things that I need to see. Well, then, then for the thing that needs to be seen, take care of it. But then put it back on. Amen. Praise God. Let's, let's move on. Amen. So the word of God dictates standards to us. Standards of lifestyle, whether it's a conversation, how we think. I'm going to have anybody tell me the way to think. Just by you saying that, you said that because somebody told you to say that. I love people say, I'm an individual. In the midst of a thousand people going, yeah, I'm an individual. You're individually a part of a group. Okay, I get that. It's like I'm independently dependent. <laughs> these, these, now I sound like the old, grumpy old man. Watch these, you know, college-age students. We're going to revolutionize the world. We're going to change the world. Yeah, go make up your bed first. You didn't even clean your room. How are you going to take over the world? You see them on there, we're ready for a revolution. We're going to fight in the streets. Yeah, you were so scared of COVID, you laid up in your basement for two years. You wouldn't even kiss your wife without a mask. How in the world do you think you're going to take over the world? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be so truthful. Amen. So let me, let, let, let me wind it down here. Let me wind it down here. Amen. I told you I had a lot of ground to cover. So even, even when it comes to the word of God, the word of God even will dictate to us even our standard of conversation. Right? We need to have godly conversation. I mean, somebody said, what's the biblical standard of my entertainment? Whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen? And, and so I, I remember several years ago, uh, Brother Chase, I had somebody come, it wasn't Brother Chase, but I had somebody come to me and said, you know, I'm trying to give up watching, you know, like, you know, I don't know, Rambo, whatever. You know, I don't know what the latest, greatest is. And I'm trying to give it up. But I, and I tried watching like them Hallmark movies. They're just so boring. With you. Wife's, my wife's like, you want a movie night? Yeah, okay. What, what are we going to watch? And of Green Gables. No, I choose death. I choose death in any form. Sound of music. No. Take me to the freeway and let me get hit by a truck. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Just, look, I'm not doing it. 
I only get so many waking hours in my lifetime. I'm not going to be tortured like that. You're going to torture me, drop me off in Afghanistan with the Taliban. Let them torture me. Not sound of music. Oh, yeah. So I get it, okay? I get it. Like, men, we need to be more visually stimulated in, in our entertainment. That's why we like football. We like, you know, we like sports. We like action, right? And so, and so we're, not, we're not going to be, you know, incredibly visually stimulated. I don't mean in the sexual sense. I mean in the interest sense. Uh, you know, with with little house on the prairie going, oh, I want... Is baby Savannah going to survive? <laughs> we're just looking at the wagon going, man, if they'd have just known what shocks were. <laughs> right? We're looking at the fire going, what moron built that fire, son? I'd be, I could cook a whole side of beef you give me. Right? That's what we're thinking. We're not thinking of nestled next to the fire and the glow while we're telling of our unwavering affection. We're thinking... I wonder if there's going to be any, uh, is there any going to be any that's coming over the hill? And... Y'all with me? And so I had this person come and say, Pastor, I'm really trying to, God has convicted me of this, you know, the movies and stuff I watch, and that's great. But all this other stuff is boring. I said, yep, a lot of it is. I said, but what you need to do is cleanse your palate. I remember when I got out of the hospital, I've been in the hospital nearly three months Life supports most of that. And I remember taking my first drink of Coke. It came out of my mouth. It was so sweet. Oh. So I said, I'll never forget. It was in the Outback. And I said, can I just get me a sweet tea? Or I said, give me a tea in the South. It's sweet. That's ungodly if it's not. All right. I'm just telling and don't you just love men that drink black coffee and they're like, I drink my coffee black. I'm a real man. But they put sugar in their tea. So which one are you? Got to have some sugar in the light stuff. But going to drink. I drink however I want to. It makes me no more or less a man. Unless I put an umbrella in it. Then it's a little weird. But so, uh, so you got to cleanse your palate. You need, to, you need to take some time. You need to take some time. You need to get away from the video entertainment, period. You just need to take some, get in the word. Read, read, some, read some books on the Bible and some commentaries. Try actually reading the Bible. It's not that bad. And, I mean, people that like soap operas, you ought to check the Bible out. Man, there's some stuff up in the Bible. There's some stuff in the Bible you, you'll be thinking like, man, that has, wow, this, this, right? Read the Bible. Read books on self-help or Christian development and things of that nature. And I said, cleanse your palate. And this person came back to me um, a, a, a few, about six, seven weeks later. He's like, wow. I said, so how, where are you at with your integrity? He said, you know, actually, I've been really getting into reading. Yeah, what are you reading? He started naming some. I said, that's great. Um, you want some suggestions sure so I started suggesting different Christian authors and and uh, he's like what about leisure stuff you know stuff that's not really because everything you read don't got to be about the Bible either then I said leisure stuff uh, there is a man I don't know if he's saved or not his name is uh but I call him brother brother Lamore you could his stuff is pretty good 
brother, 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 his name is Lewis, but we call him, Louis. we're personal friends. I call him Louis. And I say, he's got some good stuff. You know, I'm just throwing out this stuff and, you know, and everything. Yeah, 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 I get it. Not everything's going to be about talking in tongues and being baptized. I get it, you know. And, and so he comes to me a few months later. He's like, man, really? And, and I said, have you, what, 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 what videos have you gotten into? Because not, not, not really. It's so almost like seven or eight months later, he comes to me and he said, I, I watched I can't remember what it was. It was a Christian film. And I said, well, what did you think? He said, I cried through the whole thing. I said, really? He said, yeah, it had been so long. And it had been so, I'd, I had, like you said, I'd cleansed my palate. Amen. So get rid of that stuff. That would, that would keep you and divert you, amen, from, from the things of God. Uh, let, let me, I, I said I was going to close. I get three of those biblically, all right? I gave you two. This is my third one. Paul said, and finally, my brethren, three times before he ended that letter. So this is my finally and finally, my brethren. Hey, I've got a lot to say. on The Bible's got a lot to say. The, 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 the tragic reality is most churches are not teaching. Like, and it's not, a, it's not please pin a ribbon on my chest. I'm not asking for a medal or, a, or an award. But even our Pentecostal churches are getting away from talking about this. The Bible gives us guidelines for this. Well, it's our entertainment or even to the way we dress. Modesty is still a concept that the word of God teaches. The distinction between the sexes. We teach that because the Bible teaches that. And, uh, oh, Lord. You're saying that, but the person beside you is just like, would you shut up? The person beside you is going, shut up, I haven't ate yet. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Amen. Uh, So so where do we get our first standard address? I'm going to get into this in in the coming weeks and months. But but I want to introduce a concept to you if you've never had it before. I I saw Gunner ate pizza for the first time the other day. My wife showed me that on Facebook, and he like... And he's just like, oh, and he's just, you know, tearing into it. So I'm not giving the whole piece. I just want to give you a little bite of it. All right. And so ready or not, here it comes. Here comes the airplane. Okay, so where does the first standard of dress come from? What well, comes from the book of Genesis? And so um, Adam and Eve were naked, right? And, 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 you know, there's some people that like these nudist colonies, you know? Like, well, this is how God intended it. The first people were naked, yeah, because they were clothed in his innocence, okay? And, and uh, my, my brother was out here one time, and he didn't know that there were such things as nude beaches, and he went on one in San Francisco. It's the honest God truth. He walked over the, the berm, and he looked out there, and he, he was... They said he looked like Roadrunner. It was nothing but legs. He was trying to get over there. He was the first one over one again and just kicking up sand. He's screaming, get out of here. Get out of here. They're big. They're big. And he's just, <laughs> he's like, man, it's just a bunch of old fat guys, man. Anyway. So God, God says don't eat of the fruit. Adam says don't touch it. Eve Okay, she didn't obey. We, we know that. That's why we're here right now. And when, when they became like God, they didn't become God. They be, in, in knowledge, 
Now they can discern good and evil. The voice of the Lord comes walking to the cool of the day. We find themselves hiding and trying to make clothes to cover up their nakedness. I mean, when they bit into that, we don't know what that fruit was. You know, I had somebody show me a video um, at a store I was at recently. This guy knows I'm pastor. He goes, check this out. This is the coolest thing ever. And these guys are on a podcast talking about, what did Eve eat? What did she take a bite of? And the other guy goes, an apple. And they're like, whoa, dude. And what's on your phone? A bite taken out of an apple. She did not eat an apple. She ate the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. We don't know what that is. I mean, it could look like corn on the cob for all we know. So don't try to make things deep that aren't deep. You know, it's like trying to high dive into a kiddie pool. Don't try it. Big splash, but it don't end well. So the voice of the Lord comes up. They're taking fig leaves, right? And they're trying to make for themselves some clothes. I cannot even imagine how itchy fish leaves, fig leaves would be. And then they're not going to cover up good. And God says, hey, where are you at? Which is, you know, rhetorical question. God knew where they were. Where's God? And they said, we're over here. Why are you over there? We usually meet over here. Because we're, we're embarrassed. Are you embarrassed? Again, he knows these things. Hey, you ate the fruit. Spit it out. Tell me what you know now. Because uh, we're naked. <laughs> God said, who told you you were naked? When you were walking in right relationship with me and I clothed you in my innocence, that was something you were unaware of. They took a bite of that, looked at each other and went, oh, uh-oh. Now, don't get some weird doctrine and say, if I walk in relationship with the Lord, I'll be able to walk around naked and, and just be clothed in it. No, don't work like that. We have already fallen. So we see, listen. This issue of modesty and covering was so important to God that the first death you see in the Bible is God killing a small animal, a kid of the goats. Killed it. And we don't know, matter of fact, the term in the Hebrew, it doesn't mean a singular. It was whatever was sufficient to cover their nakedness. And the Hebrew word that he covered them, made them clothes, is the Hebrew word for apron. Where we get, but not apron like your cooking apron. The Hebrew word for apron meant covering, and the definition of covering was, this must be important to God. It's the first time humans are putting clothes on. And so the first time God's going to do it, he is one, going to do it right. He is two, going to do it to his standard he didn't kill that animal and put a bikini and a thong on him he covered them now the word covered there is again where we get the word uh, our, our most accurate translation we could understand was an apron but that apron doesn't mean like a cooking apron it meant to cover the thigh, the upper arm, and what we would commonly refer to as about the collarbone region to be able to cover up what would be cleavage on a woman or the chest of a man. 
That was God's standard for modesty. Now, again, don't take my word for it. Go home and study this stuff. Say, well, how come everybody ain't preaching that in the other churches? I don't know. You should ask them. And, and see, here's the second. See, I got ADHD, but sometimes it works. Because the second most quoted scripture is, God only cares about the heart, not the outside. That's what he said. Let's contextualize that. They were looking for a king. You don't look like royalty to me. For a king to crown over a nation and the prophet, I think I just preached on this, and the prophet thought it needed to be the big muscular guy. And God said, I chose the big muscular guy last time. Now, as for a king, I am first going to look at his heart. That was not the standard for the only way God looks at them is at their heart. It was for that particular reason. So context, context is important. So, amen. Sorry I'm running long on this, but the next couple of few weeks I won't be teaching on this for, we got all this, so I've got to get this in here because I don't want to be misunderstood. So it was a covering that would cover the sensual part of the chest, which most scholars and rabbinical understanding is, that would cover the breast or chest, that would cover the upper arm, and that would cover any portion of the thigh. Any of that being revealed was considered nakedness. So when we hold a standard, men and women, that the length ought to cover the thigh, that's, that's, not, that's not my standard. The first clothing God put on man and woman did the very same thing. And the upper inner arm, he did that. Not showing the cleavage, he did that. It's not my definition, that's his definition. Amen. I mean, if, if we want to follow the Bible. Noah gets drunk. There's a segue for you. Squirrel. Noah gets drunk. And the Bible said that his sons came in and looked upon his nakedness. Remember that scripture? And then the Bible said, God cursed him. Remember that? I want you to think about this for a minute. And Brother Lucas, get ready. Because not just, not yet, but just get in the, assume the position. My father would be mortified, but, you know, most of us, especially guys, I'm sure, have accidentally walked in on your dad getting out of the shower or something, right? But God didn't kill you for that. Because if you understand, now there's two mainstream school of thoughts on this. I don't believe that he walked in, opened the door, and saw his father drank, drunk and naked, and God went, Cursed art thou. There was more to it than that. Be, because, now there's two school of thoughts. One, that his son messed with him sexually while he was drunk. 
And because the Bible said when Noah came to himself and realized what had been done, he was angry. Boy, that would be an understatement. The second school of thought is when the Bible refers to a man's nakedness, it is also referring to the nakedness of his wife. So it is probably more, more accurate that he walked in and seen his mother unclothed and took advantage of her while his dad was drunk. Both of them, gross. And then when Noah realized what happened, he was angry. Okay. Jesus, and we're talking about nakedness. There is no delineation between, well, you're kind of naked. In Scripture, when someone crossed the threshold of the standard God had set, it was considered naked. Let's just go back and study it. Listen, people say, man, that church teaches a standard. They must be some kind of a cult. They must be some kind of a legalism or what. No, 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 no. I'm going to do what they don't do. Don't take my word for it. Study it. But don't study it from the people who only say it don't matter. Go to the word of God. Scripture satolis, which means let God, let God's word verify God's word. Okay, so we just talked about Noah. Let's bring it to the New Testament. Now you can come to the piano and give me the hurry up pastor song. I really got a lot to say. I, I, I really, last week I went, I didn't go like near as far here as I had, I had in Woodland, so we're a little behind the eight ball here. So um, that's not the hurry up pastor song. There we go. All right. And so Jesus is on a boat. They just come through the storm. The boat arrives uh, on the island of Gadara. Y'all remember this story? And a demon-possessed man comes to Jesus. He's not only demon-possessed, but uh, Sister Connie, the Bible says he was, he was insane. He was insane and he was possessed and he was naked. Anytime you see nakedness in Scripture, oftentimes is referred to extreme duress or insanity. 50 years ago, the way people go to Walmart, they'd have been taken to the nut house 50 years ago. I mean, padded walls, rubber sheets, the whole nine yards. Because what we have done is said, this is my body. And God don't care how my body looks as long as my heart belongs to him. And we can't find that in scripture now. We can only find that in, in what we would call mainstream postmodern Christianity. God does care. Why does God care? Because it's his temple. Man. I, I, I remember was at Walmart about five, six years ago. I remember this vividly. I was standing in line and I went around the corner and I was, I don't even remember what, what I was perching is irrelevant. And there was me and this is back before they had all the self-checkout things, back when people actually worked at Walmart. 
and I would stand in line. Isn't that crazy when check your receipt and stuff? It's like, no, you get a choice. You check me out, give me my receipt, or I check myself out, and I take my receipt, right? You, 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 you know, unless you're going to start paying me. And so I'm standing there, and I come around the corner, and there is a, a Hispanic gentleman in front of me, and this part is relevant. And in front of him are two, um, let's say, scantily clad women, young ladies. So much so that when I turned the corner, I went, oh, Jesus. I did, in the sense of, oh, Jesus, help me, help them, help us all. Because, you know what's funny? People, people in the other, women in other parts of the world cannot understand Americans' women's fascination with them, the, the yoga pan thing. They, they really don't get it. You go, look at it. They don't, they don't understand. Like, why would you leave your house like that? Anyway, the, this is relevant because the woman who was wearing them, she must have got them in a schmedium. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be graphic, but it, number one, even if it's the right size, it leaves nothing to the imagination. Those parts according to the Bible, are supposed to be sacred and given only to your spouse. But hers were stretched so thin, and I'm not trying to be crude, but as soon as I turned the corner, I knew what color panty she was wearing. And I just went, oh, Jesus. And as I was averting my eyes, and I was quickly because ain't nobody need to be seeing that stuff anyway. What I later found out was her 13-year-old daughter should not be surprised, was wearing shorts so short that her bottom was hanging out of, of the bottom of the shorts. Her gluteus maximus. There's a word. Was literally hanging out. And I'm standing there looking at the candy. I'd never been so interested in candy in my whole life. I'm like, wow, new recipe on Butterfinger. Hmm, try that. Anything to keep from looking up. It was so great. And I would like to say this was an exception. This happens. People don't respect themselves enough. Become gods unto themselves. And all of a sudden, I heard this woman go, you pervert, you sicko, you creep. She's only 13. And I'm just like, oh, I, I didn't want to look, you know. And she's like just yelling at this guy. What, you don't speak English? Do you not understand what I'm saying? You don't understand you're a creep? Do you speak English? And God bless this man. Holding an 18-pack of beer. Looks at her and says, what are you talking about? You're looking at me and my daughter. He said, if you didn't want me to look, you wouldn't have left your house looking like that. And he said, and your daughter's 13 and you let her leave the house like that? What's wrong with you? And I'm over there going, hallelujah, hallelujah. She said, well, you don't have to stare. He said, I wasn't staring. I was looking at the divider thing to see if there was room for me to put my 
case of beer on top. If he'd have had anything but else but beer, I'd have bought it. And he said, I would to see if I had room to put it up there, but you and your daughter are leaned over. There's a filthy spirit loose. And it's so sad that women devalue themselves so much that they need the gratification of a double look. And what's even worse is the men that won't affirm the beauty of their wife or daughter to make them think that they have to look like a whore to get affirmation. Oh, I didn't stutter. I said whore. Don't go reading your Bible and then get mad when I say it. Matter of fact, some of the last words Jesus said was, you remember that whore Jezebel? Now, now I'm not saying that they are morally that way. Please don't read into what I'm saying. But there's something wrong. Now, you're a grown woman. You do what you want to do. But there's something wrong when a man or a woman is letting their child dress like that. In this world, with all of the pedophilia and the perverts we have, and you let your 13-year-old daughter have her rear end hanging out the back, you know what that tells me instantly? She's got a father that is addicted to pornography. Because he has so objectified women, he has gotten to a place so much that when he looks at that, well, it's good compared to what he'd been looking at. You can get mad at me. That's fine. Facts back it up. You can match the degradation of decency in this nation to the level of pornography consumption. To see what we see going to Walgreens or or, or to the gas station, you used to have to buy a magazine to see it. Let me tell you something. Women, our bodies don't belong to us. Men don't belong to us. Men, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Oh, we clapped on that one. You ready for this one? Women, submit yourselves unto your husband. Men, if you'll be the man she can respect, she don't mind submitting. What verse are you on now? I mean, I'm trying to... You know, I'm, I'm just sip on this. There's no scripture commands a woman to love her husband. Where does it say that? Wives, love your husbands. He's dealing with the issue. This is why when he's dealing the issue of the sexes and separation, he's telling women, you need to look, don't adorn yourself like that. Men, without wrath and doubting, lift up. He is dealing with the most dominant issues of the gender. Men, husbands, love your wives. Why? Because that is not our greatest tendency. Women, submit. Come on, ladies. Not your strongest tendency. 
So he says, now that doesn't, don't, don't be walking out here saying, honey, pastor said, I didn't have to love you. He said, you got to love me. Because you do got to love in the sense we're supposed to love everybody. But he was, yeah, please forget. I, I promise you I didn't intend to go this long. Please forgive me. But what he said was, husbands, love your wives. Because it's harder for men to, to, and I don't mean to hold, putting rose petals up when she wakes up every morning, just rose petals to the shower, rose petals to the kitchen. Nobody lives. Nobody does that. If they do, you know, let the dog drink it first before you do. Something, something's up. When he croaks in the backyard, you know something was up, all right? But that love, because fidelity fidelity is more difficult for a man than it is a woman right biblically speaking so he says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and every time I see Christ in the church he is clothing her he's adorning her with love and beauty and holiness woman who's loved and adored by her husband. These things you don't have to try to act out to cover up or to get that affirmation and gratification. And for the woman, submit yourself to your husbands. Amen? Let's stand together. Praise God. Will you pass these out real fast? We got some homework. I didn't get to it. Thank you for those that turn. It's not a requirement to turn this in. Brother Vinny, if you'll help him out, this will just give one to everybody. Here's some, some homework. I told you I was going to do this at the end of every one of these. Uh, please turn them in tonight. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to turn these in. These are for yourself. Take these home. Study these. Let me say from the bottom of my heart, I know I went long. I didn't intend to, but if I didn't, rip, if I didn't wrap it up tonight, I would have spent two more weeks just trying to gain ground we had lost. And so, so in the next portion of this, we're going to go a little bit deeper. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.